Good morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumpter, and today we're going to be talking with Mike Joya, who is the Paycheck Senior Vice President of IT and Product Development. Now, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily be sitting in your car listening to this going, oh, paychecks, those leaders in artificial intelligence and HR tech. But I think what you'll see when we talk to Mike is that, is that the company has a, a, a deep and interesting story about how they're approaching new technology. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So, so take a minute and introduce yourself, and be sure to uh, um, uh, talk a little bit about about your time in the industry. You've been at this a while. We've we've been aware of each other for, geez, I bet a quarter century. And and so, um, please take a moment and introduce yourself. Sure. So, hi, I'm, I'm Mike Joya, and uh, yeah, I've been in technology for over 40 years, and I've been specializing in HR, payroll, benefits-related software products for probably the last 25 years. Um, I've been on both the, the, the builder and creative of software products as well as the purchaser. Um, so I, I, I first got introduced in HR payroll benefits when I worked for Fidelity. I went to go and work for the CIO on a special project to bring in-house um, uh, payroll and benefits. They wanted to build a business um, for, for their clients on the 401k side, and that's when I first got experience with HR payroll. From there, I worked for uh, SAP, and, uh, and then I've been in a variety of breast-to-breed solutions, always in the HR payroll-related space, and I've been here now with paychecks for about the last 11 years and for those that may not know paychecks very well they started out in the in the payroll business uh, and was founded back in 1971 to provide payroll services for small businesses and since then has grown and evolved uh, to have a full HCM technology suite of solutions that covers payroll HR benefits retirement 401k insurance agency and so forth uh, we have about 670,000 customers today, over 100 locations, and at about 16,000 employees. Well, that's a big company. So, so the heart of the business is payroll. Is that right? Uh, yes, it's been payroll, and I would say we've made major investments over the years now to really build out the HR set of products and services. So, so that's a that's to me that's a really interesting idea because. For my for my money, the uh, the most important and interesting data that a company owns is its payroll data. It tells you where people are and what they do and that sort of thing. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that emphasis on precision that's part of being a payroll company flows out into the way that you think about uh, the the expanded HR product line of paychecks? There's, there's a, a discipline that you guys have that, that, that may not be a part of everybody's view of HR tech. Oh, yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, well, certainly kind of the, 
there's a lot of regulatory things that are outside of the specifics payroll. So we're we're also in the 401k, we're in health and insurance. Uh, we have a you know a very large agency in the top 25. We're the number one 401k record keeper of small plans. All of these also have their own regulatory aspects and compliance aspects and hiring and going through that process as well. Uh, also EEO. So there's a lot of still regulatory and compliance. We have a very large organization that helps us with that uh, for, to, main, to make sure at the local, state, federal levels that we remain compliant in those areas and, you know, build our products and services, especially from a self-service point of view, to ensure that employees, admins, CPAs, brokers, and so forth have what they need and at the end of the day can entrust upon paychecks to maintain um, the accuracy and the compliancy of the, the reporting and the content that they have. So, so now, now I'm, I am deeply impressed by your uh, work with intelligent tools, uh, but, but it's sort of a, a surprise that you're good at it. Would you, would you talk a little bit about how you think about AI and how you use those technologies in, in the round paychecks? I think you're doing uh, some sure. interesting things, so we'll dig. Okay. Yeah, Go. no, that's good. Um, so I, Paychecks in their in the risk and compliance area, that group has been involved in predictive modeling uh, and intelligence-related engines uh, for quite some time. They have been building models internally for paychecks uh, for us to look across our base in a variety of dynamics, leveraging the data that you were mentioning, along with other data outside of paychecks, economic data and other indicators, geographic and demographic-related information, to help us determine between that and our clients what are the right products to sell at the right time, what clients may be at risk. Uh, there's a whole slew of predictive um, related models for us, uh, upselling and what clients might be ready for based on a certain set of conditions uh, that we've done a lot of learning from. And then we also, of course, tap our, our HR organization for their knowledge, and we have a wealth of knowledge from our, from our payroll specialists and service providers that have been working with and, and answering questions um, over the years. And so the, the step that we took down the, the AI path was to move to uh, the, our first step was to leverage, how do we leverage the data and knowledge that we have and start to provide a higher level of service to our clients. And, and when I say clients in this context, it's employees and the administrations and managers uh, of those clients uh, to really understand how we could get them to the next level and to be more self-service and self-sufficient. And that led us down the path of uh, creating our Flex Assistant and bringing our Flex Assistant to market, which is a bot which is utilizing a variety of, of technologies underneath it, whether that's NLP, AI-related technologies, and so forth, um, to bring that Flex Assistant to market. We combine that with the knowledge that our organization has had over the years. And what do I mean by that is, well, let's take payroll, for example, um, and uh, we either – there's always a cycle. You could be uh, year-end. Um, there's other business cycles like open enrollment where you, you'll be doing your enrollments for health and benefits. Uh, so 
we looked at both general questions as well as key business cycles. And you know, there's a group that actually sits down with service providers and tap and taps their knowledge and collects their information in a structured way that we can then put into uh, the knowledge base uh, for our flex assistant to utilize. And I've seen uh, really good uh, progress and results in answering questions real time for for those um, employees and and admins for our clients on their behalf, and have actually seen a reduction in call rates coming in and questions coming into our service organization. That's that's interesting. So so when you think about using AI, it sounds to me like like the first um, concern is increasing the quality of customer service and reducing internal cost and friction. And uh, I, I think that's as opposed to the majority of the stuff that I see has to do with offering additional services to customers, right? And so, uh, and so that's go ahead. that's correct. Uh, that that is our approach. Um, and the other thing that we're doing is we're, we're doing a fair amount of robotics work, so we have some teams that are building out uh, workflows, automatic uh, workflows across the systems on the back end for things that the service organization does when uh, behind the scenes. And we're, we're automating those processes and spending a lot of time to ensure a very high level of accuracy and data integrity. So we're going slow, and we're making sure that we're, whatever we're asking our robotics to do, it's something that we already do today uh, in a less automated way, uh, and we're just taking that and automating it and then having clear exceptions to drop out to those people that have the most knowledge. And uh, we're probably doing three or four uh, robotic automations uh, a quarter, and we're finding a tremendous uplift to the service organization in, in the offload of that work, which is enabling them to be more consultative with the clients, which is really where we're trying, where we're trying to go is let, let the clients be able to simply get at what they need um, and, and then take that to the next level. Um, that's, that's, that's such mm – -hmm. I, I, I don't want to say unusual, but, but really most of the stuff that I see involves people – adding things to existing processes and it seems to me that the the approach you're taking is how to transform the business um, and increase the value delivered to customers but not necessarily to add new stuff just to add new stuff is that right that's right, and we're trying to do that. Do those things that you mentioned at the right time that's most optimal for the client. So what we're trying to do is also understand their behavior and collect data. Through our Flex Assistant, um, we know who's coming in, what's the question they're asking, did they get a good response, did they like the response, did they need to transfer to a live agent, which they can do 24-7, 365, to answer the question that the bot didn't answer? And actually, when we transfer it to the live agent, we actually have recorded the entire interaction with the bot so that the, the live agent has that information so that we're not taking that individual through the same set of questions again. And we're capturing all of this information and learning more about why are they going to a live agent? What are they really doing? This helps us fine-tune our knowledge base and also starts to 
to give us some behavioral data, which could eventually lead to other products or services. But our goal in learning this is to to your point, as we mentioned, to drive a higher level of service, learn about their application interactions and what questions that they have, and from that actually just begin to continually optimize the user experience and the customer experience, which at the end of the day would continuously increase our retention and drive a stickiness uh, because we're optimally uh, addressing what they want. Now, will that eventually lead into predictive stuff? Yes, we do some predictive analytics today, um, but we take that very slow and careful because we want to make sure that what we're predicting is highly accurate and gives them a solid, sound base of information and data. We're beginning to move into that phase, but we're going very slow and steady, and we'll do a lot of proving out ourselves before we actually bring it to market, because the worst thing I think you can do is bring this too fast, and folks start to make decisions, and they don't understand the impact of those decisions till later, and then you reflect and go, hmm, I wonder if that gave me the right advice or not. So we're being very careful when we go through that, and we're leveraging a lot of data and collecting more data along the way to help ensure that accuracy and integrity of that information. That's, so, so it's a really interesting model, and it sounds, it sounds to me like you have with with nearly 700,000 customers, you've got a great big pile of data about a certain range of transactions. And then as you get further out into your product lines, the data gets thinner. And it seems to me the, the approach is start where you've got the most data and use that to build out the adjacent data. And, and when you do that, then you're talking about uh, analysis and predictions of very specific kinds of transactions. But as you go further out into the exploration, the, the role of HR shifts from being transaction-specific to something more generalized than that. Um, do, do, do you see a, um, um, a hurdle out as you get past pure transactional data? Um, in evolving this approach to AI? Uh, yes. I, I, you know, the, obviously, as you move up, let's say, that maturity ladder and get into more predictive, uh, you still have to make sure that you have a model. Okay. What's the soundness of that model? How does that model evolve? And there's so many underlying components to those models. Are you tracking and understanding as new data is coming in and what could be affecting the model? And so these are lots of questions that we look at. So I do think there are some hurdles. Um, and so we're, we're moving quickly forward slowly, I would say, in that uh, we continue to roll out more and more knowledge base and flex assistant uh, we've now integrated this with our help center to give us that next level of knowledge and understanding so now there's help content and all of the different ways a user can learn whether they're coming whether they like videos whether they like to read an article or do or do you want do you want to be taken to write where in the app to do it or in fact you know what i just want to tell you what to do and do it for me whether that's through voice or through that or through wearables and so we're going to continue to expand in each one of these categories slowly, see the, how the data evolves in the models, and 
as with all technologies, there will be hurdle points along the way that we will meet, and we'll break through that hurdle and, and get through another, another wealth of uh, capabilities that uh, we can provide. Meanwhile, continuing to prove out that our current model is indeed both driving efficiencies and interactions. In our current uh, environment today, we have something called unified communications. So we have an omni-channel capability. We know all of the interactions our client has with us in a consolidated way, whether they come through the phone and talk with folks, do they have email, have they been texting, have they been chatting, have they been going to the bot, have they been going to the bot and going to the live agent? So we can see all those interactions at a client level and individuals in that client. So I have clear data that I can look at now that say, well, I provided a rich set of 401k um, content. Has that content and the questions being asked actually reduced the overall interactions and that the channel didn't change? And we actually see proof to that. And we, we don't know how far that could go. We'll continue to drive accuracy of information and answer things that we believe we can clearly answer through the bot, and that maturity will grow. Uh, but we're going to avoid you know, getting into behavioral bots and, you know, uh, changing their attitude along the way. We may want to pick up attitude differences if you're frustrated or not. And these are the kinds of things that we will evolve, evolve through as well. So, so are there big questions that your research and development teams are working on? What are they and, and, and what's, what's sort of the big horizon for you? Oh, that's a that's a pretty big topic. There's a there is a, there is a lot there. Again, broadly, we do see AI as a strong mechanism uh, to drive those efficiencies in the HCM world. Uh, we have to continue to improve our data and capture all that information that I said that we get along the way, and and continue to drive that acceleration and and go into new areas. So. Uh, we utilize a couple of tools today. Uh, we're now coming out with wearables and the watch, um, and there will be more and more wearables. And we're also curious to see where the industry is going to go. I don't know. You might have seen an article that popped up uh, just in the last few days where Apple and, and Amazon and Google are, are saying, hey, there's so many things. We need to provide a standard. Let the Internet of Things provide a rich standard of how all of these uh, mechanisms are going to interact with each other because we don't want to build solutions specific to a particular vendor. And I think there's so many things that are exploding in this space. We've got to really watch where they are, where they're going, what's the standard. Uh, to see uh, if you're getting locked in on any particular path, on any particular technology. And the key thing is to make sure you're abstracting your applications from this and can continue your, your overall growth, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So, so does this mean that you are looking forward to and starting to embrace open standards? Is, is, is that what you just said? Uh, yes, uh, we certainly would. I think there aren't a lot of open standards in this space. Uh, we have nope. open source and open standards that we do and contribute to a lot for our applications and our continuous delivery and what we do from a DevOps perspective and so forth. So we're heavy into open source and open tools. Uh, here we're really utilizing uh, particular tools through some third parties and waiting to see where open source is really going to go and when are we ready to, to kind of jump on those and leverage that because certainly it's a lower cost of development um, and of the technology which we can pass on to our to our clients as well and prospects. So, 
So the the competition for development talent that does this kind of work is insane. And and I can't imagine that a sales pitch that begins with do you want to come to work for a payroll company um is 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 a good lead when you're competing for for development talent. So how do you get people to come to work for you? How do you, how do you bring the development talent in? Oh, that that's a great question, especially in today's uh, you know, economic conditions. It's very hard to find talent and to pull talent uh to here and and part, part of it is certain positions you would like uh centralized and located and then other positions can be worked from home. Uh and and so that's the first division and we look at our jobs do we need them here or can they work from home? Um but we do everything now from okay, how can we improve our our branding from a talent acquisition perspective? So certainly we work with universities and locals here uh, where we are located in Rochester with RIT and others to, you know, we've really changed the branding of a payroll company that's very service oriented to a company that's now technology oriented enabling service. So we do so many things from a leading edge and the best way to attract talent is the fact that you're not only dabbling in these areas, you actually have production deliverables and you're continuing to evolve those production deliverables that this is where the place to be is to Take the things that you play with and bring them to reality, and we're doing that in so many areas. That does help us acquire talent because we are really building and leveraging these technologies with a strong architectural approach where we can grow those technologies across all our different business lines. Um, but it's it's tough to get this talent, and you know, in other spaces, it's it, you know, it's getting harder and harder. So I think a lot of it has to do with what are the technologies you're in. Are you competitive, um, and are you actually going after positions and jobs that are clear and understandable to the industry versus what you may call those individuals internally? So that's a lot of work. So we continue to work with HR. We work with other departments. We're constantly double-checking against, uh, you know, through through vendors about our branding and, and how we can continue to drive technical talent. And obviously, things like these podcasts and, and other interactions as a company from a technology point of view lets people understand that, oh, here's a company that really is serious about it. Maybe I should take a look at them. Okay, so so you've you've been at this a long time. This this technology has come along. I imagine that your thinking about intelligent technologies has evolved over time and is continuing to evolve. Can you talk a little bit about how that evolution has happened for you? How you think about this stuff has changed? Um, hmm, that's a good question. In other words, how do I how do I look at the landscape yeah, yeah, or what so, they're doing, yeah, what they're yeah, going to do from yeah, a business's do, point of view? How do you look at the landscape and and you know the the kinds of things that I'm seeing are um, people waking up and going, oh oh, there's a consequence to this technology that I didn't quite imagine at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so I see yeah. that. In your, in your work, right? You you have you have incorporated this technology that most people view as a producer of new and novel value as a way to aggressively streamline and transform your company. And so there's a there's right. a change of thinking that's there. And then yes. as we as we go forward and we start to see that that these tools 
tend to be the carriers of bias and that it's very hard to root it out, there may be some things that, that start to emerge about containing the technology so that they don't um, uh, spiral out of control. Right. And right. So, so I, I guess, I guess so that's, that's the arena of the question. Yeah. Okay. So very broad, but I, but I get the point. I would say to the latter point, we are concerned about bias. You could see that in different models. That's why we're going very slow and careful on anything predictive, whether we're going to say predict that this candidate is stronger than that candidate or um, this one is a stronger reference than that one, uh, or you should hire this individual versus that one. Uh, this one's really ready to be a flight risk, so you better do the following actions. Uh, we're being careful, very careful in that way um, because models can create bias and models change and evolve based on data coming in. And so one of the things is how resilient um, is it that you understand that model and how things are actually being calculated and derived and have oversight against that. So that is one of those hurdles that we're, that we're not at yet, and we're waiting to see how technologies evolve in that space. And there's so much opportunity elsewhere. And when we look at paychecks as a company, when we look at our own service organization, because we're driving efficiencies and dropping interactions with our client base from one channel and actually handling that through the bot, let's say, uh, that the real goal of that is working with our service organization and saying, what are the things that drive you crazy that you spend so much time on administratively that we can assist you with because we're trying to take our service organization to a more consultative approach with our clients and and moving up that ladder from a service organization and changing. So what we need to do is we need to move into that slowly uh, and we need to educate and train our employees along the way about the changes that's happening to them in that space and give them the training that they need to be be more consultative. Many of them have those capabilities. They just don't get the time to do it and actually wish they could have more proactive dialogues with the client about, hey, so what's going on? And So, yeah, I understand you're going to be growing. Tell me a little bit more about that. Let's spend more time about it. Where can I help you? Uh, and so forth. And letting the clients be able to balance the way they want to balance self-service um, on their own and leveraging um, paychecks as an organization from a service and a consultative approach uh, versus uh, we're going after this particular efficiency to, con to cut this entire organization out, right? So two very different approaches, and we're really taking a more conservative approach and a balanced approach um, in the things that are painful for our employees and trying to drive a better work-life balance um, and train them along the way for the next things that we're evolving to. You know what, Mike? I think I think we ought to try to schedule another phone call. You've raised a number of uh, really interesting questions that we aren't going to have nearly enough time to dig into. But it seems to me that you have an extraordinary wealth of experience at operating in this environment, and that you're starting to learn things that that would be good for other people. So, so let me let me close and ask you to just touch on the things that you think are the key ethical issues in your work, and we'll, we'll draw the conversation to an end. Uh, sure. Uh, and I'd love to spend more time. So um, I guess the key applicable issues in, in particular this is, I would say, um, 
quickly move forward slowly. Make sure you utilize technologies uh, that we're doing today, uh, whether they're NLP-based, AI-based, RPA-based. Make sure you have a good, solid point of view about what you're going after and trying to balance that to understand the implications to you and to your clients. We're very much driven by what we want for our clients and what we want for our service employees. And get get your hands into those technologies and start to create production deliverables. Look at it architecturally and look at it soundly and, and then evolve those in a in a careful manner. And that's what we'll continue to do in integrating our assistant across uh, help center and the applications and other things forward and then see where we go from that into the predictive world again slowly and carefully. Thanks. Thanks for doing this, Mike. Um, Would you take a moment and reintroduce yourself, please? Sure. Um, Hi, I'm Mike Joya. I'm a senior vice president here at Paychex, responsible for all of um, the data center operations, product development, and security. Thanks. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, Mike. And uh, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in today. We will be back here two weeks from now. We're going to take a little time off for Christmas. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you here next time. And thanks, double thanks again, Mike. Bye bye now. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm.